Let's turn to the book of Colossians. And I got a real big fancy title for today's, all right? Usually I don't do titles too much. You know, if I do, I just like to do one or two words because uh, I don't do titles. I do, don't do points, you know, and I don't do... I don't do none of the stuff they teach you in seminary, all right? So y'all just got to draw into the deal on that because uh, uh, I'm basically a, a, a fly, you know, by my own, the beat of my own drum or whatever, you know, whatever it means when they don't, when you don't do what you're supposed to do. That's what I do, all right? So the title that we want to be concentrating on and looking at that will go with today's scripture is this, building a spiritually strong congregation. Building a spiritually strong congregation. And that is so important in today's time. So very important. You see, there are all kind of congregations. There are all kind of uh, communities. There are all kind of organizations that can follow a strong leader. In other words, somebody... Uh, that can commandeer a room, somebody that has, is very charismatic, somebody uh, that just uh, uh, is a natural-born leader, somebody that can uh, just take a, and just lead people wherever, and they'll just follow them wherever they go. That's not me. <laughs> That's not me. And, and I would uh, compel you, if you or your family's in something like that, tell them to get out of it. All right? You have to think for yourself. And you see, if I tell you something that's not in Scripture, you should know about it. You shouldn't have to sit there and think, well, is he telling me the truth? Is that really there? Is that the case? Is that in Scripture? You know, for uh, years, you know, I guess you all know this. You've heard this. You know, people will pop off stuff like, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, one of them sayings, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Uh, where in Scripture is that? And you see, there's all kind of stuff like that. Well, yeah, and now there's some people that will fight me about that, okay? There's some people that will fight me about that. But those words in that order are not in Scripture. Maybe the concept, things like that, and you see. But what we have to do as a congregation is to be spiritually strong spiritually strong because if we are not spiritually strong then guess what satan's gonna come along and he's gonna sow seeds of discord he's gonna sow seeds of discontent he's gonna do this and he's gonna do that and guess what we're gonna fall for it hook line and sinker because we're not grounded on scripture well paul wrote this letter to the church over in colossae it's called Colossians. And there's a lot of, you know, uh, writing about it by scholars and stuff like that. There's uh, some scholars that call it uh, some of the uh, most highest thinking, most elevated of all the letters of all the scripture. And, uh, you know, maybe this or maybe that. But listen, what I want to concentrate on is just a few verses in this chapter one. That's beginning at verse nine. Because within this greeting that Paul writes to this church, he lays out something very important that we all need to see. So let's begin reading here. 
Colossians chapter 1, begin reading in verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with a knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good works, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, in the course of reading the book of Colossians, you may go through here and start here in chapter 1 and go through there and think this is nothing more than a polite and gentle introduction to the church that he's writing the letter to. He's writing a letter to the folks over there in Colossae. He hadn't got a chance to go to be with them in Colossians uh, the church at Colossians is just a little uh, further down from Ephesus where he was at for a little while, but he never got a chance to go down and visit this church. So you would think, well, uh, he's writing these nice things to him. Uh, but I want you to notice uh, within this scripture uh, that he has given us here, uh, within these this so-called greeting uh, that we have in this these few verses of scripture, I want you to notice that Paul has outlined a blueprint for a spiritually healthy congregation. He has, absolutely. He's outlined a blueprint for a spiritually healthy congregation. You see, this church at Colossae was dealing with people that were trying to bring heresy within the church. Now you remember, and if you've been here on Sunday nights, you know this. Uh, when we look at the early church, which is the way the late church should be, as a matter of fact, uh, when we look at the early church, we see uh, that they are meeting in members' houses. Where they go within to a town, you know, the disciples would go in to begin to preach. Uh, they would go in there and tell the people about Jesus. And, you know, they would go to someone's house that was a believer. And they would gather together there and they would exhort one another. They would teach scriptures. They would teach about Jesus. That's all we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's what a church is to, to be doing, is to be discipling other people to follow the commandments of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And Paul gives us the outline of how to have a spiritually healthy congregation. Because there were people over in Colossae that were trying to come into the church and teach or bring a heresy uh, within the congregation. You see, that's what it was. They didn't have a church over there at the uh, corner of, of uh, Maine and Commerce over there in Colossae uh, for a building that said the First Baptist Church of Colossae or the first church ever built at Colossae or the second church ever built at Colossae. No, they were meeting in somebody's house. And people were trying to come in and say, these teachings that Paul has told you about are not correct. And you see, Paul had to write this letter so that they might be able to go back to Scripture and understand where that heresy was coming from. There were people in these days 
the Gnostics were beginning to form and begin to disseminate information all throughout Israel, all throughout uh, Asia Minor, down into Africa. Uh, they were trying to teach people that Jesus Christ was, you know, a good man when he was born. Or they were trying to teach, you know, that uh, uh, he didn't uh, obtain his divinity until later on or until maybe the cross. Uh, but they were teaching heresies in the church. And Paul said, that's not going to get it. We cannot have heresy in the church. And so we sat down to write this letter. So let's go back and look just exactly what it is we're talking about in this greeting that Paul points out that is so very important. First of all, in verse 9, we see this, for this cause we also stop. Now, for what cause? Because we're, we're, we've picked up scripture and, you know, as is always the case, it's kind of uh, problematic because we have to pick up in the middle of something, the middle of the thought. Well, in this case, what Paul is writing about for this cause is the cause he speaks of in verse 5 in first, uh, first chapter of Colossians. And that says for, and Paul is explaining in his greeting, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. This is what Paul is referring to where he says for this cause. He goes on to say a couple of more things, but this is the cause in this sentence that direct back to the cause that he's talking about. For this cause, the hope that has been heard in preaching. For this cause, we also... Since the day we heard it. And here we go. The first thing Paul points out. Do not cease to pray for you. And desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Did you know, church family, we're supposed to pray for one another? I mean, my goodness. This is not rocket science, Okay. This is not rocket science. If it was, I'd have to get Brother Archie or Adam or somebody else up here. Uh, John, somebody could come up here uh, because I couldn't do it. This is plain and simple. We have to pray for one another. Amen. Come on. Well, Joey, I, I, I can pray for this one. I can pray for that. But I just don't know if I can pray for it. No, no, no. No, no. This is not match game. This is not uh, any kind of game show on TV. Uh, this is uh, a congregation of a body of believers in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And He compels us. If we're going to be spiritually healthy congregation, we have to pray for one another. Amen. Well, He says that. Paul says, do not cease. I do not cease to pray for you and to desire, get this, to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you see what Paul is telling him? Paul is not saying, look, Colossae, I've told you this. I've written you this, I've told you, and I've written you, you better listen to me. No, no, notice what Paul is saying. Paul says, it's my desire that you might be filled. With what? The knowledge 
of his will and with the wisdom and spiritual understanding. There we go. You see, Paul is desiring a spiritually strong congregation. He's not desiring a congregation uh, over there in Colossae that says, well, Paul said we had to do it this way. No, he wants a church that's able to stand up and say, the word of God saith thus. That's what he desires. That's what he wants. He says, I'm praying for you to be filled with his knowledge, to be filled with his wisdom. Ooh, yeah. You see, it's uh, like we see, you know, this time of year kind of, uh, you know, you, you love it. And then there's also things that kind of perturb you about it, you know, because uh, as we get closer uh, or go through the holiday season, you know, there's all these commercials on TV and, you know, all this sentiment from everybody, you know, we should love one another. We should help one another, we should extend the helping hand to one another. And then, you know, when New Year's rolls around, it's like, where's all this love at? Where's all these helping hands at? Where's the love? It's gone till next Christmas season. No, you see, that's not what the Holy Spirit desires out of our life. We are to be a child of God, 365, 24-7. And that's tough sometimes. So Paul says, I'm praying for you. Church, we got to pray for one another. We've got to keep one another uplifted in prayer. Let's pray for one another. Paul goes on, verse 10, he says this. This is why I'm praying for. I'm praying for you, church, that you might grow, will have knowledge, you might have wisdom, and this is why I'm praying for you. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Stop. Woo, that's a mouthful, isn't it? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Is there any of us in this congregation today, is there any of us walking on the face of the earth today that has any idea what it truly means to walk worthy unto the Lord? To walk worthy of our Lord unto all pleasing. You see, that's one of those things, that's like sanctification, all right? You have justification, sanctification, glorification. Justification is when we get saved. Boom, we're saved. Nothing's going to change that. But then you enter a process of sanctification. You're, you're learning. You're keeping the commandments of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You're growing in grace. You're growing in uh, strength and knowledge of him. And you see, this is what Paul is speaking about. You might walk worthy. I'm praying for you that you be filled with the knowledge of the word, that you would be filled with the wisdom of the will of God, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Walk worthy of him. This was Paul's prayer for the church, that you might walk worthy. You see, congregation, we have to strive to walk worthy. And notice what he continues on saying. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's twofold there. Being fruitful 
in every good work. You see, we have folks all around our congregation that are doing good works. Good works. People all, I mean, people, I could, I could start naming you off and pointing you out. You're doing good works in our congregation. And you see, that is a sign of a spiritually healthy congregation. Because Paul says, I want you to be fruitful in these good works. People will look at that. You know, people uh, on the outside will look and say what you're doing. Like, uh, you know, when you may be talking to somebody at work, you might mention something about it. And they're like, you know, why do you do all that? Why do you keep doing all that? You really believe all that stuff? And you see, Paul says, I'm praying for you. And that's what we have to do for one another. Pray for one another that each of our works is fruitful. Fruitful. And, and not just that, but increasing what? In the knowledge of God. Well, that's big right there, isn't it? Increasing in the knowledge of God. Not increasing in anything worldly and in anything temporal or temporary, but increasing what? In the knowledge of God. That's where this is at. Paul says, congregation. I'm praying for you. I want you to walk worthy of the Lord. Do you know that that's a sign of spiritual strength and spiritual health? That we're seeking to walk worthy of the Lord? That everything that comes up in our life, the first thought in our mind is, is this what God wants for my life? Not as this is what my friend's doing or this is where my friends are at or this is where uh, I need to be or this is what's going to make me the most money. No, is this where God wants me to be at? Because that is the most important thing in our life. There is nothing, nothing more important than that. Paul says, I pray that you might walk worthy, that your good works might be fruitful and that you may increase in the knowledge of God. Get this. Strengthen with all might. According to his glorious power. Unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Who? You see what Paul is, is outlining here? You see the blueprint he's laying out for us? How that you and I can be a spiritually healthy congregation. And all of these things he's speaking about here, all of these things he's writing about here, is each individual focusing on the Lord and Savior. It's each individual putting the will of God first in their life. As always, as always, touched on this a little bit in Sunday school this morning. The way to get in trouble, the way to get off course, the way to get out of line is to put yourself first. That's what Satan did. That's exactly what he did. And pride, he lifted up his self and said, I will ascend on high. I will be like the most high. Oh, no, you won't. No, no, no. There's only one God. He exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you see, there is no sharing that glory. 
There is no sharing of the, his glory. His glory belongs to him. Paul says for our congregation to be where it needs to be, we have to be strengthened with all might, with his might, because we are going to be doing battle. Why do we need to be strengthened? Because we're going to be doing battle. Satan hates us. He's telling the guys and gals this morning in Sunday school that. I don't know if they'd ever heard that before, but I figured it was about time they knew. Satan hates your guts. Satan desires nothing but for you to fail, for your life to be miserable, for you to give up and go out these doors and say, I'm never going back again. That's exactly that's as good as Satan would have. And to keep from being that, to keep from falling prey to the snares of the evil one, we have to be strengthened with the might of Almighty God. There's nothing else that will do. Nothing else it will do. Listen, I know a lot of churches that exist on nothing but friendship and, and fellowship alone. That's good. That's great. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love being with you guys. I love when we go back here and eat. But if that is all that we've got, if our friendship and our fellowship is all that we've got, we, we might as well change it to the uh, Piedmont Glee Club out there or something. I may change it to some kind of civic or social organization. Do something. Uh, the Piedmont Long Club or something like Because we're not a church. We're not a congregation that comes together uh, to lift and extol the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul says you have to be strengthened with his might. According to his glorious power. There we go again. There is no... There's no uh, parenthetical insertion for the, the power or the glory of a man in that scripture. It's all him, isn't it? It's all him. If our church exists or if any church exists on nothing but the reputation and the, uh, the uh, uh, popularity of a man, uh, listen, they, they just as well to change their name too. Because Paul tells the church at Colossae uh, to, for them to be spiritually healthy, uh, we have to be strengthened with his might, the might of God, uh, according to his glorious power. It will be his power that strengthens us. When people look at Piedmont Avenue Baptist Church and they say, uh, how in the world uh, is that church is still going on? How in the world is these, this or that happening over there? How do they do these things over there at Piedmont Avenue Church? I didn't think that the people over there were strong enough to do that. They'll have to sit back and say, uh, it must be God. But because it couldn't be nothing else. You see, God has to work through us, has to strengthen us, has to empower us, has to give us of his knowledge of his will that we might accomplish his will and his way. You see, God's not looking for uh, uh, somebody that's going to uh, step up and uh, prove their worth or something like, no, 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 uh-uh. No, we are strengthened in his might, according to his glorious power. Remember that? Genesis 1.27, what does it say? Let us create man in our image. Our image. When, when Jesus said our image, he was talking to 
God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. We were created to reflect the image of God. We were not created to reflect the image of Joey Davidson. No, no, no. No, no, no. No. Paul says, according to his glorious power, and get this, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Can you have those words in the same sentence together? Patience, long-suffering, joyfulness? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. You see, church, Satan wants us to look at nothing but this world that we live in now and to give up on this existence that we have. He wants us when we see the things going on in our life, the suffering, the death, the pain, he wants us to question God. He wants us to lay that at the feet of God. He wants us to blame God for that and to take our eyes off of the eternal. Because when you take your eyes off of the eternal, you lose focus and you lose it real quick. You see, Paul knew this. He knew that these heresies coming into the church over there, that if the people didn't have their sight on the eternal, uh, they were going to lose focus. And they were not going to, well, they would have lost their joyfulness too. Because you see, that's what we do when we begin to look at things in the temporary. When we begin to look at things in this temporal existence. Well, uh, you know, uh, this, this great tragedy has happened to me and happened to my family. How could God let this happen? Oh, really? Yeah. Satan gets in there and pokes and twists and tries to get you. To, how can God let this happen to you? I thought God loved you. How can he let this happen to you? And you see the whole time, the whole time, we have no clue. We have no idea of the eternal ramifications of the things that happen to us in our life. Yes, something may be a tragedy here. Yes, something may bring us sadness and sorrow here. But you and I still have no idea how God views it in the scope of all eternity. And but you see this, we know, we know, and this is what Paul was talking about. We know that what? How many things work to the good of them that love the Lord? A few of them, some of them, all of them. Every single one of them. That's not a rabbit's foot. That's not a lucky charm. That's Paul telling us that God has everything under control. And if something happens in our life and we are a child of God, we should rejoice and give Him glory because He's going to use it to bring Him glory in the scope of eternity. Even though it brings us sadness and sorrow in the temporary. You see, what Zachary, Elijah, Xander back there, they, uh, El, we got uh, Bella, we got some young ones here. They might, they might be here in a hundred years, all right? But most of us, if Jesus don't come back and a hundred years passes, most of us sitting in here are not going to be here. 
we're going to be in eternity. We're going to be where he is. And you see, when that day comes, when that time arrives, all that has happened in this temporary existence shall pass away. And then what is it going to matter? The pain you suffered, the sorrow you endured. Now, listen now, and this God didn't even bring this on you now. This wasn't God's fault. We are the ones that chose sin. The wages of sin is death. We chose that. We did. Oh God, it's your fault. No, it ain't. It's yours. It's mine. It's all of ours fault. You want to talk about what God did? He loved us so much that what? He gave his only begotten son that your sorry self and my sorry self might escape the flames of eternal hell where we were doomed to go. But his love, his love, his mercy, his grace. Yeah, that's what God did. The Satan is a liar. He's a liar. Paul says, I'm praying for you, church, that you be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Get this. <clears throat> giving thanks, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Giving thanks unto the father. Which hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In that, in that sentence, in that statement made by Paul there, in that fact that is of the believer, that belongs to the believer in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this verse 12 right here is probably one of the most mind-blowing verses that you will ever read. How can that be? What are you talking about? Giving thanks unto the Father. Yes, we should give thanks. Which hath what? Made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's the old English way of saying we are joint heirs with the Son of the living God. And that, I mean, as much as, as much as we study, as much as we preach, as much as we sing, as much as we praise, as much as we rejoice, we will never, ever fully comprehend exactly just how glorious that is what God has done for you and I until we step on the other side. When we close these eyes in death and his eyes are lifted on the other side, it will then fully be understood and comprehended just how good God has been to us. And Paul says, I'm praying for you, church, just like we should be praying for one another. 
There is nobody, nobody that I have ever met or will ever meet that I would wish to be separated eternally from the God of all heaven, from the God of all creation. There is nobody. When somebody has the audacity uh, to have the words uh, proceed from their mouth, uh, to tell somebody uh, to go to hell, uh, they are one of the biggest fools that there has ever been. They do not understand the love of an almighty God. They have no capacity to love. Somebody that could utter something as asinine as that. Because you see, we are called to love one another. And Paul is saying to the congregation, I'm praying for you congregation uh, that you might uplift uh, the God of all heaven to a lost and a dying world. You see, when we fully comprehend when as much as is earthly possible for our minds to wrap around this statement right here, for us to be made partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I've told you before now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. That's right. You're a saint. You don't have to wait on nobody to uh, canonize you or, or somebody to send you a letter in the mail or uh, you don't even have to apply on the internet. You're saved. You belong to him. And you see, Paul was talking about to be made a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. He said, who hath delivered us. Ooh, it gets better. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. There we go. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You see, if there was ever any question, if there was ever any doubt about what it means to believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what it means to be saved, what salvation truly means. Listen, Paul clears that up for the church here in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. There's no in whom we have redemption through our good works. Eh, wrong answer. That's not in there. In whom we have redemption through what our last name is. Nope, not there. In whom we have redemption through what's in the bank account. Nope, not there. None of it. Yeah. We'd be of all men most miserable if it depended any one iota on what I could do. I would be lost eternally. Paul says to the church at Corinth or to Colossae. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You see, church, how does a congregation stay spiritually healthy? They stay close to God. They remember who they are. That's what they do. They stay close to God, and they remember who they are. Because it is only through God that we have any type of strength, that we have any type of wisdom, that we have any type of knowledge. It all comes from Him. And I 
am the chief of all sinners, deserving of nothing but an eternal existence in hell, who has been forgiven, forgiven, and made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I can't comprehend that. Not somebody like me. Yes, even me. Because you see, it has nothing to do with me. It has only to do with whom I have believed. It is the blood of Christ that covers. Just like there in Egypt. It had nothing to do with who the person was, but did they believe what God said and take the blood and apply it to the lentils and the post? That's all it is with me. It has nothing to do. I, I, yes, I may be the chief of sinners, but hey, the blood has been applied. And that's all that matters. The blood has been applied. And you see, church, we have to be about the Father's business even today. We have to be about his business in all that we are doing and all that we are saying. And you see, even in today's time, as it gets harder and harder to live for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, I mean, I, I, I'll admit that. I'll tell you that. We've not yet reached the level of persecution in this country uh, that our brothers and sisters overseas has, but it is getting uh, very close, and, and we still live in the climate of just absolutely, if, you're, if you have any kind of conservative evangelical values about you, uh, listen, people are just got a bullseye on you. I mean, they want to crucify you. They may not be able to kill you with a sword yet, but they'll, they'll sure try to kill you with their words. They want to absolutely just, just, just silence you because they cannot stand this anymore. And this is how we know that Satan is still going about seeking whom he may devour. And if Satan is doing that, if Satan is out doing that, don't you think pretty much we should be praying one for another? Don't you think we should lift one another up? Y'all have heard me talk about this before. Brother Mel, come on, get ready with a verse of a song. Y'all have heard me talk about this before. Satan, you know what Satan's name means. The accuser. That's who he is. The accuser. He accuses us before God. We don't need to help him out. We don't need to be on his side. We don't need to be doing his job for him. Accusing our brothers and our sisters before God. No, we need to be praying for our brothers and our sisters before God. That's what God desires out of our life. That's what God desires for us to do is to pray one for another. And this is going to be our invitation today. If you're here today and don't know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, don't know this, this grace and this mercy that Paul is talking about here, you can have this today. You just have to believe that Christ, what? Died for your sins according to the scriptures, like the Bible said. That he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. That's what you must believe. You must believe that in your heart. You must admit that 
with your tongue, confess with your tongue that the Lord is now your Savior. He'll change your life. He will change your life. You can't help me but change. If that's you today and you want to take care of that, listen, you come down here. You can talk to me. You can kneel down here and pray at these altars, although it's not the words that you say as you pray. It's the belief. Or you can do it right where you're at. You can change your mind. You can repent. It means to turn around. You can repent right where you're at. But then you confess that to me, to somebody else, and you proclaim it that Christ has changed your life. If you need to take care of that today, let's do that. If there's something you need to pray about or something you want to take care of today, listen, these altars are open. There are men and women of God that will meet you here and pray with you. So 